Hey there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hossaman, and joining me is a brand new rock star. Super excited to dig in to talk with this storyteller. He's a content expert. He's also the CEO of Message Lab. Ben Worthen, thanks so much for joining me, my man. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to, you know, I, in doing a little research about you, I know that you, your company does content, but you have, you don't just focus on creating content, but, but also sort of a journalistic sense and sensibility. So I wanted to start by just asking what can content creators learn from journalists that could help them help us up, to, up our game a little bit? Yeah, so my background, I was a journalist for a long time, and I was at the Wall Street Journal covering the tech industry before wow. crossing over onto the marketing side of things. And I, I always like to set this up a bit by saying, when I was a reporter, I'd meet with marketing people all the time. <laughs> they would come in and they would pitch me. And most of the time, I found myself thinking, like, good night, someone's really trying to get someone interested by saying that yeah. and so like you know like most journalists i was a little dismissive of all the marketing messages that sure. i that i received and instead i would just focus on the thing that journalists are trying to do which is like well what's the story here you know and right. trying to find the angle and try to figure out how can i take the thing that's being presented to me but run it through my filter for what is the audience the readership that i have going to care about right. now when i crossed over onto the marketing side I think the first thing that I realized personally was that like, oh boy, there's a lot of rigor and discipline and planning and thoughtfulness that goes into developing those marketing messages. And so I had to learn all of that and be a participant and, and so forth. At the same time though, I still had that journalist's sensibility of like, yeah, but like, you know, nobody cares. You know? Why, why should we care, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and, I think, and I think for me, the, the big insight was, you know, as a company that's making something and trying to sell something, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to sell, this is what good marketing does, good marketing positions a product as a solution to a problem that somebody has. Right. But if we step back and think about someone's lived experience, if we think of them as a person in the world and not just as a potential customer, we recognize, that, you know, the problem that they have is broader than what a product is going to be able to do. Mm. You know, they have problems like, how do I run my business when it's, you know, it's my small business is hard to keep track of. And you might have financial planning software, but like running a small business is a bigger challenge than just having that, 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 prop, that, that software. So mm -hmm. from the journalist point of view, expanding the problem to think about, you know, what is the way in which this person is trying to navigate their way through the world and how can we make something interesting to them? Oftentimes what you end up doing is not talking about the product, but instead talking about the other stuff that people care about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, when I think about myself as a person in the world, it also makes sense to me because, I, you know, I want to buy something. When I want to buy something, getting information about the product is really helpful. Mm -hmm. But I want to buy something like, I don't know, 10% of the time, maybe 5% of the time, right. you know, most of the time I just want to be entertained or I want to be engaged or I want to be informed or I want to learn something that's going to help me. And, and so the journalistic mindset is, is, you know, and at least applied to a corporate marketing setting is trying to help people figure out how do I take advantage of those other moments? How do I, how do I fill the 80 or 90% of moments that the person who, who might someday become my customer is having in their lived life, where right now, if I only talk about my product, I don't have a way of interacting with them. Um, mm. they, they, they stop paying attention. They flip the channel, they thumb yeah. away, you know, they reject my call. 
how do I make myself relevant to them? And the way you do it is by just telling the story in the way they're going to care about it. Um, talking about the problem broadly than more broadly than just your product. Yeah, I, that, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I think that people understand that in theory, but then in execution, you don't see it, right? Like a lot of the time it's like, I, mm-hmm. I think, and because I've had these conversations where I'll be like, we're going to start with the problem we solve for the person, for the person. And that's where, where the story begins. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they go to features, right? Like, and yeah. so it's a, it's an interesting, interesting dynamic to get people to think that way. Um, so, so let's talk about that person that wants to start, like they want to create meaningful content, um, but they're not sure where to start. So I, I always like to see from the sort of the negative side of it is what are some things you see people doing wrong so that, you know, that person who's beginning can avoid those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, so I'll just go back to the example we were talking about that you were describing, which is, you know, your features and your product. And, yeah. and if you think about it from that lens and you try to only create content that's doing that, you know, and we've all seen this, by the way, it's a thing that starts out as like this really cool gripping narrative. And then the fourth paragraph becomes product, 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 <laughs> right. you know, um, you know, if, if, if you only come from that orientation and if you think of your purview as a content creator, as a content marketer, as only being about the product, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get right. trapped. Um, and, and there's other reasons for it too. You know, we are constantly trying to justify our existence from a budgetary perspective. Right. And, you know, in the absence of being able to show value any other way, people are just sort of intrinsically like, oh, well, if it matches the product, it's got to be valuable yeah. um, for the company, but not necessarily for the audience. Right. You know, I, I, think, I think the way that we would try to think about it is there's two exercises that you can do. Um, one is to think of the person you're trying to reach as a reader and not as a customer, mm-hmm. meaning what is it that they care about in terms of their world, you know, and, and, and you know, in, in, in the company that you are, you're, you're going to know who your target audience is, you know, right. maybe if you make toys, maybe you're trying to sell to young parents. If you make software, maybe you're trying to sell to an IT executive, you know, um, but thinking about them as a reader and as a person, you start to think about, well, what are the challenges that a young mother has? What are the challenges that an IT executive has? And, you know, and all of a sudden it's all about like things that just have nothing to do with the product. Right. Similarly, if you do the opposite side of that exercise and you think about your company, if you think about, you know, what do we sell is a very narrow question. Right. You know, why do we sell the thing that we sell is a much broader question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually that's more closely aligned to that broader version of the problem that someone has. And so right. if you almost think of those two things as a Venn diagram, you know, overlapping in the middle of the things that your company cares about and think your audience cares about is like a million great story ideas, Right. <laughs> you know, and it's really almost as simple as that as the first step is just sort of trying to extract yourself from the product and think about, you know, that Venn diagram. Hmm. Um, you know, the other thing we would say is, you know, more so to, from that business side of the question is, um, okay, you're gonna make some cool stuff and hopefully it's gonna be cool. Yeah. But how do you make sure that it's not just, you know, corporate underwritten art? And that's and this, and that goes back to that, you know, person who's reading a piece of content and says, well, this doesn't mention the product enough, or how do we, we need to get the speeds and feeds in there. Uh, and, and so we would say like, what's the purpose of it? What is the job? What do you, what is the kind of interaction that you want someone to have with the piece of content that you're making? And, and what do we want the result of the interaction to be? So as an example, um, 
if you're making a piece of SEO optimized content, you know, what you're imagining is, is a reader who has a problem and it's and they're and they're at a point in time that they're trying to solve it by, you know, doing the thing we all do. You go to Google, how do I do blankety blankety blank? You know, you click it, you find the results, you see it. And because, you know, our, our person did a great job of SEO optimization, it's the top. Someone clicks on it. Now, let's just think for a second about what that person does. You know, they come in and, and the thing that they said was like, how do I do blank? They come in, they find something that's really helpful about how do I do blank? Um, and if you did your job well, you kind of solved the problem. You gave them all the information they needed to have in order to figure out how to do this thing. So by the end of that person's reading experience, they don't have the problem anymore. Or, or maybe they're still curious about what someone else says about how to do that problem. And so they go back to Google. Now, you know, that's the single most natural thing that someone's going to do in that situation. But from a, you know, website management standpoint, you just had to bounce to visit. And I'm using it in right. finger quotes because it's yeah. scary and it's bad yeah. and yeah. all yeah. of that, totally. right? Yeah, you know, totally. and, and, so, and so what did you, what was the outcome? You know, you, you maybe gave someone value for your piece of content, but what does it do for you? Um, and, and, and this is not an argument, by the way, against doing that kind of content. It's more about having some purposeful, you know, knowing that the thing that you're going to achieve is giving someone whose problem is aligned with the thing that you're trying to solve, you know, giving them value. That might be enough, you know, yeah. or, or maybe you have to have some sort of, you know, sign up for an email newsletter, you know, right. or um, ensure you can put buy now at the bottom. Yeah. But, you know, most of the time someone who's trying to say, how do I get my grass to grow greener isn't necessarily going to click now to buy a lawnmower, you know? Right. Um, right. So, you know, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's, so it, it's just trying to think about that and trying to real, realize that different kinds of content are going to have different jobs. Yeah. Um, you know, a, an SEO piece is going to, you know, perform well for this type of interaction we just talked about um, a, a, a cool photo essay uh, is probably not going to perform well on search, but it's going to be really, you're going to get people over social as an example. If we were in a thumb by, they're going to see a cool photo and they might click in, yeah. you know, or thought leadership is another thing that we, you know, the finger quote thought leadership, you know, that's an idea that hasn't yet occurred to someone. They're probably not searching for it because they right. haven't yet occurred to it, but when it's shared with them and they get it in an email or social or something like that, they're going to be drawn to it and come in and have some sort of experience, right. but it might be a step too far to then expect that person to go from the cool new idea to buy now. So what do we do in the interim? What are the other things that we can build and how do we think strategically about building a content-based journey? Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things I talk a lot about is, is understanding what kind of marketing you're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. Is it like there, I was, and actually it was something from Seth Godin where he talks about the difference between brand marketing and direct marketing. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to is that we're, you get a mixed up as you're trying to measure, um, brand marketing using direct marketing metrics and it will always exactly. fail <laughs> it will always fail exactly yeah yeah no that's yeah, cool I, mm -hmm. that's really good that's really good so so but but content marketing done right can be really powerful but i i, I will say I, I was i was fascinated when i saw that you've said that most companies waste about 50 percent of their money and efforts uh that that was interesting to me how do, how do we avoid that and do content that does resonate yeah so um another question is also a good just getting started thing question is what is the experience of consuming my content like? Mm -hmm. So let me tell you how we got to that stat. It's because, uh, you know, really often the experience of consuming content 
is terrible or it's an afterthought. It's not something that people are trying to actually invest, you know, money to create great experiences, but it's so critically important. So here, here's here's something that has happened to us countless times. And anybody who's been involved in content marketing probably has their own version of the story where, you know, the CEO of some big giant company, you know, comes to us because they have some, you know, big innovative thought leadership, again, finger quote, pieces yeah. that they want to get out there. So, you know, we interview the CEO, we um, outline a piece, we send the outline back, the CEO looks at it, you know, their chief of staff, the PR people all approve, we write it, we go back and forth on a draft, you know, the, the, the head of communications and the VP of marketing and the CMO all give their feedback in the draft, and then the CEO sees it. And then, you know, three teams of lawyers see it because it's the CEO of some, <laughs> you know, massively public. And if like, if you just thought about all the time, that was yeah. invested into this one 800 word word doc, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars of people's time more right. than that, maybe. Um, and then, you know, people will take it and they'll just take it and they'll just put it on this blog that was designed in 2006, <laughs> you know, yep. that, that has this, you know, like, ugly nav, you know, hard to read thing. And it'll just be like a giant wall of words on this page. And then it's like, all right, let's sit back and see what happens. Um, or actually, maybe they'll even promote it, right? They'll, they'll do a campaign to try to draw people and get to the because it's their CEO's big thoughts. Well, what we see is when we look at the data is that, you know, we started measuring how long people spend on a piece of code, the piece of content based on, you know, proxies for, you know, uh, like what are what is the reading experience like? So as an example, you know, we always keep track of how many people make it a minute into an article and scroll halfway through. That's a good proxy for, did they like it? Did they read it? Did they find it interesting? Right. Um, one of the other things we might look at is how many people made it to the five second mark or how many people made it to the 15 second mark. And, and if you think about it for a minute, 15 seconds is actually a good proxy for, did someone even begin to read it all? You know, if you think about, you know, you click on a link, you've got one, two, I'm waiting for the page to load. Three, four, where am I? You know, yes. is this, I end up in a spot that I expected to be, you know, five, six, seven, what kind of experience is this? You know, eight, what's the headline? Is it interesting? Nine, you know, oh, there's a subhead, 10, there's a photograph. And maybe by like seconds 11, 12, 13, you can begin to read the first sentence. Now, there's no reason that people have done this experiment at home, but if you want to give it a try, it's actually pretty interesting. You just won't be able to read more than the first sentence or two of an article in 15 seconds from the time you click on a link. Mm. Um, now, what we see is that on average across all clients, um, if you just sort of did some analysis and regressed it to an average, half of people leave a web page before they hit the 15 second mark. Mm. Um, which means that half of the people are making a decision whether to read all of those words that we, you know, we and the lawyers worked on the CEO yeah. with the CEO on, you know, based on something other than the words. You know, they're they're making a decision based on how long it took the yeah. page to load, or they're making a decision based on is your blog UX confusing or not. Uh, they're making they're making a uh, a decision to engage or not engage based on, did you include graphics? Did you include subheads? You know, the, there's this activity people do where you go to a page and before you read, you kind of scroll halfway down to see what does it look like? Yep. You know? yep, totally. and, and then you go back to the top and you might read or you might not read. And whether something is a wall of just dense words yep. or whether it's broken up with, you know, headers and graphics and all of that kind of stuff makes a big difference into whether people are going to choose to engage with you or not. And so, when we say that half of half of the money people spend 
are wasting. What we really mean is, I mean, it's a little clever, but you know, is, is if you're not thinking about the experience, if you're only thinking about the asset that you're making, that Word doc, you know, and if you're not thinking about these other things that are part of a content program as opposed to a piece of content, you know, the layout, the UX, the load time, you know, half of the people are just gonna leave. They're not right. gonna pay any attention unless you account for that, which is a huge amount of wasted opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's super interesting because you've, we've all seen that. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so let's finally, and w- let's keep this uh, 30,000 feet. Final question for you is because you talked about metrics. So let's talk about that. I, I've always heard the term ego metrics, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the things that make you feel good, but they don't actually do anything when it comes to social media and content. So what are metrics that actually matter in content? So the metric that doesn't really matter much is page views, which we all know, and it's the easiest thing to get attracted to. But the reality is, is that, you know, if you're selling something, the only people who really matter are the people who are part of your target audience. We've had clients before who, you know, will rank really high in search for a term that doesn't have anything to do with what they do. And they have, they got lots and lots of traffic, but it's like not, no one who they get is ever going to become a customer because this is totally misaligned. Mm. Um, so from a reach standpoint, you got to filter that out and you got to really focus on who, you know, are you reaching the people that you're trying to reach? Um, once you're able to do that, for us, the single most important metric is time. You know, mm-hmm. how much time did someone spend with a piece of content that you made? And what's tricky is that analytics out of the box doesn't measure time correctly. Google it. Um, we can figure out, we use a, a custom metric called engage time, uh, which controls for things like bounce rate. Again, mm-hmm. I don't want to go deep down the rabbit hole, but, you know, but if you think about why engage time is valuable, it's basically looking at how much time does someone actively spend engaging with the content on your page. And it's the truest transaction that you're making. Uh, we created this piece of content because we thought it was gonna be valuable to you. You're indicating that it's valuable by spending time with it. So the person who was searching for how do I help my grass, uh, how do I help my grass grow? If they come in and they spend eight minutes reading that piece of content, we're gonna think, oh man, that person really found it valuable. That's great, we delivered on content, you know? Right. Now you want to be able to do other things. You want them to come back. You want yeah. them to move down into your funnel if you have a purchasing funnel and so forth. But the first thing you need to do is make sure that you have content that resonates with the people that you're trying to reach. So time is the first thing. And then only after you have content that you know is working, you know is landing, do I think it makes sense to optimize for other click-based behaviors, signups, you know, downloads, et cetera, et cetera. That's super interesting. I've never heard anybody talk about it, but it is, it does make total sense because b- bounce rate has always bugged me. And so I appreciate yeah. you bringing it up because like for us, we, we create a lot of content, right? Yeah. And so it, I, it's exactly what I've thought is that like they, they came in, they read my blog and I do a lot of personal development stuff too. So there's really not a call to action. I'm trying to get them to do. It's just trying to be helpful. Right. And yeah, so if you think about of course it, they bounce. <laughs> of course they do because you are making something and you're putting all the value on a single page. I mean, the bounce rate is really great for shopping carts and e-commerce. You know, how quickly yeah. did somebody go from the checkout screen to the buy now button, you know, or how many people did we lose going from put it to my cart to right. buy? But like, you know, we're the thing that we want them to consume, our ideas are all on one page. <laughs> and if you, you know, yeah. and if you come in from Google and you buy our ideas, you read for 10 or 15 minutes, you leave. And yeah. that's good. You know, yeah, we did our job. Yeah, it was success, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So bounce rate is bounce rate can be really misleading uh, when it comes to 
this kind of idea based content. Now, still put things on your page that you want people to do, give people sure. opportunities to read another article or to sign up for a newsletter or to do other things to engage more. But, but yeah, for us, time, time spent is much more meaningful. Like we would rather see everybody coming in and spending 10 minutes and have a 99% bounce rate yeah. than have, you know, everybody click through to another page, but only be there for like a second or two. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. Ben, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. This was this was really helpful. And I, it was for me. I hope it is for the people watching and listening as well. So we'll have to do it again sometime, okay? Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time. Music.